Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Malvern Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are starting into a brand new series of sermons where we're talking about prayer. And today we're going to be talking about how prayer can help us when we feel anxious. But I want to pause right here to make something as clear as I can. What we're talking about in this episode is occasional anxiety. And occasional anxiety is exactly what it sounds like. It's occasional. It doesn't last for extended periods of time. But you may be facing something more than just occasional anxiety in your life. So if your anxiety doesn't go away with time and it only gets worse instead, or if your anxiety keeps you from being able to perform at your job or at school, or if it interferes with your relationships, you have something that's more serious than just occasional anxiety. And I want you to know that we're here to help you. So if that sounds like you, I want you to know that you can reach out to us here at Melbourne Heights. You can shoot us an email. You can make a phone call. You can reach out to us through our Facebook page or through this podcast because we want to help you find the help that you need to face the anxiety that you have in your life. But if you're just dealing with occasional anxiety, well, this sermon is going to talk about how prayer can help you. So let's get right into this episode sermon. So just a few weeks ago here at Melbourne Heights, we spent our time together during our worship services talking about what the new normal is going to look like for our church as we continue to live through the COVID-19 pandemic. And we saw that even though COVID-19 has unquestionably changed our world forever, it hasn't changed our mission and our calling as a church. We as a church, our church and every church, are still called to worship God, to make disciples, to use our God-given gifts to build God's kingdom, and to minister to the world that we live in right now. And it's that last statement that I've been thinking about a lot over the last few weeks. We as a church are called to minister to the world that we live in right now. And COVID-19 has shown us that there are some pretty serious issues that we should be ministering to right now. And some of these issues are fairly obvious for us. Like, we all realize that just about everyone in the world right now is grieving something. And that's because we have all lost something because of this pandemic. So, there are three million families in this world right now that are grieving because they have lost a loved one. There are millions upon millions of people that are grieving because they've lost their jobs and their financial security because of this virus. And all of us have lost out on time with our family and with our friends because of this virus. So everyone is grieving something right now. But we also know that COVID-19 has caused a lot of financial problems for a whole lot of people all around the world. And these financial problems, they reach farther than just those folks who have lost their jobs during this pandemic. There are a whole lot of people who have had to go farther and farther into debt because of COVID-19. And there are people who have blown through their life savings trying to stay ahead during this pandemic. And there are plenty of recent graduates who are wondering if they're ever going to be able to find a job where they can make a decent living because of this virus. But not all of the effects of COVID-19 are quite so obvious to us, like the toll that this pandemic has taken on our mental health. Now, prior to this pandemic, the CDC reported that 8% of American adults showed symptoms for what's called generalized anxiety disorder. 
But in their most recent report, which came out in March of this year, the CDC reported that there are now 30% of American adults that show symptoms for generalized anxiety disorder. So those numbers have nearly quadrupled in the course of about 15 months. So since we as a church are called to minister to the world that we live in right now, it feels like we should spend some time talking about how we can deal with the anxiety that we all face in our lives. But before we get into this conversation today, I do want to take a second right here. And I want to pause here for just a second because I want to make something as clear as I possibly can. What we're talking about today has to do with occasional anxiety. And occasional anxiety is exactly what it sounds like. It's occasional. It doesn't last for extended periods of time. But you may be dealing with something more than just occasional anxiety in your life right now. So if your anxiety never seems like it goes away, and if it actually gets worse over time instead of getting better, or if your anxiety interferes with your daily performance at your job or at school, or if it interferes with your relationship, then you're dealing with something more serious than we can cover in a 25-minute sermon today. But I do want you to know that if that sounds like you, if you're dealing with more than just occasional anxiety in your life, we're here to help you. We want you to reach out to us, and you can do it at any time. You can reach out to our church office by an email, a phone call. You can send us a message on Facebook or YouTube or whatever to let us know what's going on in your life. And we want to help you find the help that you need as you deal with the anxiety that you're experiencing in your life. But just because we're focusing in and talking about occasional anxiety today, that doesn't mean that this is an easy issue for any of us to face. Because occasional anxiety can still leave you feeling restless. It can still leave you feeling fatigued. It can still leave you feeling irritable. It can still affect your ability to concentrate, and it can keep you from being able to sleep at night. So no matter what form our anxiety takes, even if it's occasional anxiety, no anxiety is ever completely easy for us to deal with. But we all know that already, because we have all been there. We've all felt anxious. We've all felt anxious. And yes, that means that you have felt anxious, whether you would ever admit that or not. Maybe you felt anxious your first day on a brand new job, because you just didn't know if your new boss and co-workers we're going to get along with you or not. Or you might have felt anxious when you had your newborn baby, and yes, you were excited to bring that bundle of joy home, but the reality is that you felt anxious because you didn't know how to take care of another human being. So you felt anxious when you needed to change a diaper or give them a bath or just hold them in your arms. You may have felt anxious when you graduated college and you had to enter into the real world. I mean, I know I felt anxious when I finished up college. Because I had just spent the previous four years and about $80,000 earning a college degree, but I couldn't find a job in my field. So I spent the next three and a half years working at a toy store, wondering if I had wasted all that time and all that money. So one way or the other, we know what anxiety feels like because we have all been there. And we, even though we are talking about occasional anxiety, we all know how hard it can be to live with even that type of anxiety in our lives. But even though we've all experienced anxiety, we also know that we've all experienced it in different ways. But even though we've experienced anxiety in different ways, 
our anxiety largely starts from the same place. We feel anxious when things are out of our control. We feel anxious when things are out of our control. And in the Gospel of Luke, or in Luke's biography of Jesus, he's going to help us understand why we feel anxious when things are out of our control. But if you stop and think about it for a second, it makes sense. Okay? You feel anxious when you start a new job, wondering if your coworkers and your new boss is going to like you, because the reality is you have no control over whether they're going to like you or not. Or you feel anxious when you bring your newborn baby home because you have no control over how another human being is going to behave. Or you feel anxious when you graduate college and try to enter into the real world because you have no real control over what jobs are going to be available to you. And yes, of course, over the last year, we have all felt a little anxious during this pandemic because none of us have had much control whatsoever about how this virus was going to spread. So once again, Jesus is going to talk, to talk to us about this, and he's going to explain to us in the Gospel of Luke about, just to remind us, that God is still in control even when we're feeling anxious. So let's take a look at what Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 24. Here's what Jesus says. He says, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or your body, what you will wear. There is more to life than food and more to the body than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither plant nor harvest. They have no silo or barn, yet God feeds them. You are worth so much more than birds. So do you see what Jesus is saying in this passage? In this passage, Jesus is telling us that the birds, the ravens, have absolutely no control over what they're going to eat. The ravens don't plant their own crops. They don't harvest their own crops. They don't store their own crops. So they have no control over what food they're going to eat. But Jesus tells us that God takes care of those ravens anyway. So even though the ravens have no control, God is still in control. And if this is true for the ravens, just birds of the sky, then you better believe that it's also true for us. Even when things are out of our control, God is in control. Even when things are out of our control, God is in control. But this doesn't mean that we just need to become passive spectators in our lives. It doesn't mean that whenever we face a problem that we can just sit back and throw our hands up and say, well, God is in control, and then wait and see what happens next. Because again, remember what happens with the ravens. Yes, the ravens have no real control over what they're going to eat. They don't plant crops, they don't harvest crops, they don't store their crops. But they also don't sit back in their nests waiting for food to miraculously fall into their beaks. The ravens go out and they seek the food that they need. So they are active participants in their lives. And we need to be active participants in our lives as well. But how do we do that? How can we actively participate in our lives when things are beyond our control? Well, this is something that the Apostle Paul writes about in a letter that he sends to the churches in the ancient city of Philippi. And Paul is the foremost missionary and theologian of the first century, so he always has good advice for us whenever we're facing problems. And this is what Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. So what Paul is saying in this passage is that when you're anxious, 
You should pray. When you're anxious, you should pray. But that's not all that Paul tells us in this passage, if you were really listening to it. Paul tells us that there's something specific that we need to do in our prayers when we're feeling anxious. And what is it? Well, Paul tells us that when we're feeling anxious, we need to bring our requests to God in prayer. But I want to take a second here to make sure that we don't misunderstand what Paul is really saying in this passage. And I'm afraid that we might misunderstand what Paul is saying in this passage because typically when we hear that word request, we think that it means to ask for something politely. But I don't think that's actually what Paul is trying to tell us in this passage. And that's because the Greek word that we translate as request in this passage can actually have a much stronger tone with it. There are other places in the Bible where we find the same Greek word translated as demand. And I think we can all agree that there is a pretty big difference between making a request and making a demand. Making a request is what you'll do when you go out to lunch after our worship service this morning and you ask them to put a slice of lemon in your sweet tea. But making a demand is what you do when there is an urgent matter in your life that needs to be addressed immediately. So what Paul's telling us in Philippians 4, verse 6, isn't that when we're facing anxiety, we need to politely request that God do something to help us out. What Paul is telling us is that we need to demand that God intervene in our lives because there is a problem that only God can fix. So Paul's saying we need to be willing to beg and to plead with God to reach down into our lives and to help us with whatever issue it is we're facing. So from Paul's perspective, what we need to do when we pray is we need to bring everything that we're feeling, our hopes and our dreams, as well as our sadness and our sorrow and our pain and our suffering, and we need to bring it to God without holding anything back. Or to put it another way for you, Paul is telling us that prayer is about pouring your heart out to God. Prayer is about pouring your heart out to God. And when you pour your heart out to God, you're going to tell God that you're feeling anxious. And when you pour your heart out to God, you're going to tell God why you're feeling anxious. And when you pour your heart out to God, you're going to tell God what could take this anxiety away. And there is one group of people who do a better job of pouring their heart out to God than just about anybody else in all of history. And that's the people of Israel. And that's because the people of Israel, they have their own history of not holding anything back when they talk with God. The people of Israel, they're not concerned with being considerate, and they're not concerned with being polite. They are just going to tell God exactly what they're thinking or exactly what they're feeling, even if that means that they end up getting themselves into trouble. And that's what's going to happen in the passage that we're really focusing in on today. The passage that we're focusing in on today comes from the book of Numbers. And Numbers is one of the first books that we find in the Bible. You've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then Numbers. And we call this book Numbers because there are two censuses that take place inside of the book of Numbers. There are two times when the people of Israel are literally numbered. Once at the beginning of the book and once toward the end. But because we call this book Numbers, let's just be honest, it sounds pretty boring. 
I mean, if you were walking through Barnes & Noble and you saw a book called Numbers sitting on a shelf, you're probably not going to take a look at it. And because of that, most of us don't spend much time at all reading the book of Numbers. And that's a shame, because this book is about so much more than just a couple of censuses that take place. The book of Numbers, it actually tells us the incredible story of how the people of Israel were able to survive for 40 years in the wilderness while they were waiting for God to allow them into the land that God had promised them and promised to their ancestors. And the story that we're going to be taking a look at today is one of these incredible stories of survival. But before we get into this actual story, let me give you just a little bit more context here. So as this story takes place, the people of Israel have already been wandering in the wilderness for a while. And the entire time that they've been wandering in the wilderness, God has provided them with something called manna that kept them fed and keeps them going. And the Bible tells us that manna is like coriander seed. It's white and it tastes like honey. So in the back of my mind, I always think that manna had to be something like honeycomb cereal, but that's just me and it's not really the point here. The point is that God provides this manna for the people of Israel so that they are fed throughout their entire time wandering in the wilderness. And God does this by allowing manna to fall from the skies every single morning and then having the people of Israel go out and gather what they needed that day. But imagine what you would feel like if you had to eat the exact same food for every single meal, every single day. That's how the people of Israel felt about manna. They were sick and tired of it. And that's where our scripture reading for this morning picks up. It comes from Numbers chapter 11, and we'll start reading in verse 4. Here's what it says. The riffraff among them had a strong craving. Even the Israelites cried again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt for free. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Now our lives are wasting away. There's nothing but manna in front of us. So unsurprisingly, the people of Israel are complaining about all the manna that they have to eat. Like I said, we would be right there with them if we had to eat the same thing every meal every day. But that's not all that the people of Israel are doing here. They're also reminiscing about the good old days in Egypt when they had fish and cucumbers and melons and onions and leeks and garlic and they could eat all they wanted for free. Of course, the problem is that the people of Israel have forgotten that the reason why all their food was free is because they as a people weren't free. They were enslaved in Egypt. But God hears their cries anyway. And God is going to respond to what they're saying. And in verse 18, we hear that response from God. So this is what God says to Moses. To the people you will say, make yourselves holy for tomorrow. Then you will eat meat. You've cried in the Lord's hearing. Who will give us meat to eat? It was better for us in Egypt. The Lord will give you meat, and you will eat. You will not eat it for only one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days, but you will eat it a whole month. So in these couple of verses, we hear that God has heard the cries of the people of Israel, and that God is going to send them meat. 
But I want you to listen to how Moses responds to what God told him in verse 21. Moses said, the people I'm with are 600,000 on foot. And you're saying I will give them meat and they will eat for a month? Can flocks and herds be found and slaughtered for them? Or can the, the, all the fish in the sea be found and caught for them? I love Moses' response, because basically what Moses is saying is, God, I don't think I heard you right. What, what I think you said, God, is that you're going to feed all the people of Israel meat for the next 30 days. But God, there's 600,000 of us. So even if we went out and we slaughtered all of our herds and all of our flocks, there still wouldn't be enough meat for us to eat for 30 days. But now I want you to listen to how God responds to Moses. In verse 23, the Lord said to Moses, is there an end to the Lord's power? Is there an end to the Lord's power? It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. And if you stop and you think about what I told you just a few minutes ago, that even when things are out of our control, God is in control. And then you think about what we just heard God say to Moses, that there is no limit to God's power. Then you understand that when God tells the people of Israel that He's going to feed them meat for 30 days, that God is going to feed them meat for the next 30 days. So in verse 31, we hear about how God does this. And here's what it says. A wind from the Lord blew up, and it brought quails from the sea. It let them fall by the camp, about a day's journey all around the camp, and about three feet deep on the ground. Then the people arose, and they gathered quail all that day, all night, and all the next day. The least collected was ten homers, and they laid them out around the camp. Now, I'll admit that I'm not an expert on biblical measurements, but fortunately, Mark Batterson, who is the pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., actually does the math on this for us. And here's what he writes in his book, The Circle Maker. He says, Each Israelite gathered no less than ten homers. Ten homers multiplied by 600,000 men equals six million homers at a minimum. Now, a homer equated to roughly 200 liters, and assuming that the quail were an average size, means it rained somewhere in the neighborhood of 105 million quail. So God heard the people of Israel as they poured their hearts out. God heard them as they cried out for meat, and God sent them meat. God sent them over a hundred million quail that kept them fed for an entire month. But the people of Israel, they didn't have any control over that. The people of Israel had no control whether they would get this meat or not, so they felt anxious about it. And that's why they cried out. They cried out because they were worried about their food supply. But they also said what would alleviate that anxiety. And what would take their anxiety away was having some meat to eat. Again, they had no control over this. It's like Moses said in the passage we read just a few minutes ago. If they slaughtered all of their flocks and all of their herds, they couldn't have produced enough meat to keep all of the people of Israel fed for a month. But God could. God could alleviate 
their anxiety. And that's what God does. God hears that the people of Israel are anxious. God knows what would take that anxiety away. And then God steps in and does something about it. But I also have to give you a word of warning here. And that's because this story isn't just a story about God providing the people of Israel with all of this quail. This is also a story about God punishing the people of Israel with all of that quail. I mean, in another passage, another part of this passage, we're actually told that God says he's going to send them so much quail that it feels like it's coming out their ears. And that's exactly what happens. The people of Israel get every bit as sick and tired of quail as they were of manna. And why does God punish them by sending all of this quail? Well, it's because the people of Israel didn't pour their hearts out to God. Now, don't get me wrong. The people of Israel were pouring their hearts out but they were doing it to each other, not to God. Instead, God had to overhear about what was making them anxious. God had to overhear about what could be done to take their anxiety away. And that makes God not very happy. God wants the people to come to Him, to bring their petitions and their requests directly to Him, not to overhear about this problem. So as we try to face the anxiety that we have in our lives, we can learn a lot from the story. We can do what God wants the people of Israel to do. We can do what the Apostle Paul tells us we're supposed to do. That when we feel anxious, we're supposed to bring our petitions and our requests to God in our prayer. What we need to do. We need to learn that when you're feeling anxious, when you feel like things are out of your control, you need to turn to the one who is in control. When you feel like things are out of your control, you need to turn to the one who is in control. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. I want to challenge you to take your anxieties and to turn to the one who is in control over everything. I want you to spend some time this week thinking about whatever it is that is making you anxious in your life. And I don't want you to stop with just thinking about it. I want you to sit down with a piece of paper and a pen in your hand and write out what's making you anxious in your life right now. And there are a million things that could come up on your list. You might feel anxious right now because our world is slowly starting to get back to normal after the last 15 months of living through this pandemic. And that means that as you're going out, you're in bigger crowds, surrounded by, by more people. And some of those people are wearing masks, and some of those people aren't wearing masks. And that might make you feel anxious. Or you might feel anxious because you have some underlying health conditions that still leave you vulnerable for this virus. Or you might have feel anxiety because you're still, still feeling some financial pressure because you've been laid off and haven't been able to find a job. And you may be feeling a whole lot of anxiety that has absolutely nothing to do with COVID-19 whatsoever. But whatever it is that's making you feel anxious, write it down. And then take your requests. Take your demands to God in your prayers. Take them to God and tell God, I'm feeling anxious. This is what I'm feeling anxious about right now. This is why I'm feeling anxious about it. And then don't be afraid to tell God what can be done to take your anxiety away. Because God 
He's big enough to hear about your problems. But he loves you enough to care about your problems. And God will be there to help you make it through whatever anxiety you're facing in your life right now. But you have to be willing to trust God. You have to be willing to do more than just complain about what's happening in your life with your friends or the people that surround you. You have to be willing to take your requests to God in prayer. And if you really will do that, if you will trust the one who is in control, you'll find that you can be an active participant in your life and that your prayers can make a difference when your life feels like it's out of control. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, you know that so many people in the world that we live in right now are feeling anxiety and we're feeling anxious about so many different things. Yes, God, there's a lot of anxiety that still surrounds this pandemic that we've been living through for more than a year. And you know that many of us feel anxious about getting back out into public, being surrounded by other people that may or may not be vaccinated and may or may not be wearing masks, God. And you know that there are other people that are anxious because they have um, health conditions that keep them from being vaccinated or make them more susceptible to this disease. And you know that there are people that feel anxious about their financial matters that have been brought upon them because of this virus. And you know that there are so many of us that feel anxious about other things, God. But God, what we don't always do is do a good job of trusting you in these situations. We don't do a good job of telling you what we feel anxious about. We don't do a good job of bringing our requests to you in our prayers. So God, my prayer for everyone that can hear my voice right now, whether they're worshiping with us in person in this room or they're joining us online, is that you help us to hold nothing back when we pray that you let us pour our hearts out to you and tell you what we're anxious about, why we're anxious about it, and what can be done to alleviate that anxiety. Let us trust in you, God, and show us that you are always in control, even when life is out of our control. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this podcast has challenged you to go to God in prayer whenever you're feeling anxious. And when you do that, you have to be real with God. You have to tell God about what's making you anxious, why it's making you anxious, and you can't be afraid to tell God what will take that anxiety away from you. Now, next week, we're going to keep talking about prayer, and we're going to see that prayer is more than just pouring our hearts out to God. Prayer is also an opportunity for God to speak into our lives. So we're going to talk about how God can speak to us in our next episode. So I hope that you'll join us when that episode drops next Tuesday. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're there, make sure that you leave us a rating and review because your ratings and reviews, they help spread the word about the messages that we're sharing. Also remember that you can join us online every Sunday for worship. You can join us on our website at mhbclouisville.com live every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, and we would love to have you. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I'll be praying for you, and we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another sermon podcast.